take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Renee Kelly. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Renee. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you are like a true entrepreneur. I, I, <laughs> I That's really the only way I can describe it here. Um, very extensive, extensive background history here and just so all of you know, she had a restaurant in Kansas, correct? Yes. Harvest. And then she was brought on to Top Chef as a contestant, season 13. Is that, did I get that oh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lucky number 13. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, she has done a plethora of things. And it, we definitely want to, you know, kind of touch on all of that, Renee. So maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, how old are you? And... What are you doing for a living now? Well, such an interesting question to start off with. Um, I am 39 years old, getting ready to hit the big 4-0 this year in Ooh. October. Everybody is more than welcome to send me presents. That's fine. Or party <laughs> the entire month of October with me. That'd be great. And I am the owner and operator of Vi, which is a company researches and develops products in the CBD sector specifically for females. So my main launch product is um, essential lubricant. All right. That kind of falls in line with uh, all those couples out there that are listening to our podcast. So how do you get from being a chef to lubricant? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a very, very far gap. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when I decided to close down my restaurant, I had a mentor who kind of, he's been my mentor for about 12 years, maybe going on 15, I can't remember. Uh, and he knew that I needed a different project to work on, just how my brain works. I'm very science oriented and I love to create. And he slid a jar of this yellow stuff across the table to me and he goes, Hey, I want you to figure this out. Like go, go play with it and have fun with it. I'm sitting there going like, do you want me to make brownies with it? Do you want me to like put it on my skin? What do you want me to do? So I went, I took it with me without any questions asked and it was gross. It was gritty and grainy and I knew it had um, cannabis in it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. So I brought it back to him. And he says, I, I go, I don't know what this is all about. Could you please give me a little bit of insight? And he just, I wanted to have sex with it. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I went back to the. That's quite uh, a mentor. 
I know, I know. Um, so I went back to the lab, if you will, and uh, tried out, tried, tried it out that way. And it just didn't feel good. It wasn't like I knew where he was going. So we sat down and had a conversation. He said, "You have, I, I want you to fix this, so it's more conducive for the female." And I think that we can really help couples connect. Like, that's really interesting. So it took me about 18 months to figure out the formula with no um, binders and starches and sugars, none of that stuff that other lubricants have. And it's um, easy to use. It just, just the whole thing, my entire stuffy brain was on fire. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So that is how I started my lubrication business. And then I did a whole bunch of marketing research. The entrepreneurial brain kicked in. I did a whole bunch of marketing research and saw what was out there. And um, the product that will be launched, hopefully this fall, is um, there's nothing like it on the market. Exciting. That yeah. is really exciting. Yeah. And, and so is this THC or is this CBD? So and what's the, the one- difference? Ah, so the one that we're going to launch is the uh, CBD. That way we can um, spread across the entire nation. Later, I do have a business established in Colorado, and that will have some um, THC in it. So CBD, supposedly, it helps with pain and inflammation. Uh, We are unable to state any claims with that. But it doesn't give you any of the um, kind of hallucinations, uh, that headiness that THC uh, gives you. So THC has always has a little bit of the CBD in it. um, And they work very, very well together. But the THC is like that relaxing, um, uh, kind of that heady high, um, you know, where you're not really kind of there. So that's the difference. The CBD side isn't technically a drug, and this and CBD is legal. Our product has, I think, it's 0.03 percent THC, so it's legal across the entire nation. Um, and then when we're in Colorado, it'll be legal in Colorado. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about CBD versus THC, and mm. the word cannabis. And from my understanding, you know, under the umbrella of cannabis, you have CBD plant. And then you also have the, the THC plant, or and they're really two different plants within the spe- the under the species of, of cannabis. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, you said that you said that very well. So the original mar- all of it is marijuana. So that's the umbrella. All of it is right. marijuana. And then, however, um, the farmers saved their seeds. You know, going back to kind of that chefy chef explanation. However, the farmers saved their seeds, yielded either a higher THC content or a higher CBD content. Um, I think it was way back in the 60s. I'm going to say 60s is when these plants started started showing up and being grown and harvested with super high amounts of THC, and so that's when people. that's when it was made illegal and they didn't know what to do with it. And and then they just capped it across the board where marijuana was illegal, period, done, end of story. Whereas the plants that have a higher CBD um, percentage, they're more of the healing factors. Um, They they are much more of a contribution to the whole body uh, and not really... Um, they don't really have those hallucinogenic, not hallucinogenics, but you know, that, that the druggy effect and all of our bodies have, um, 
cannabidinol receptors. Every single human on the planet, and I do believe every animal has um, cannabidinol receptors. So we were made to receive and process marijuana, which is very interesting. So it's just, if we were to compare it to alcohol, some people don't do really well on uh, whiskey, right? Mm -hmm. And some people would prefer like a Pinot Grigio spritzer, like that's their tolerance. So that's how um, the whole scope of marijuana uh, in the cannabis sector is, you know, you just kind of got to know, you know, I don't walk into a liquor store and get Mad Dog 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I don't know too many people that do really. (laughs) Some people do for a specific reason, um, but and it's it's kind of that way. Now, the interesting thing um, that it's becoming more legal is there are clinical trials that are being started in Colorado. So the USDA and the FDA are going to eventually acknowledge the health benefits of um, CBD and THC, which is awesome just awesome your sex organs are a part of your endocrine system so it's a very different absorption when the product is absorbed through the vaginal walls you get more of the euphoria of what would be the thc high like it's it's very it it makes you almost more sensual and it's awesome, not to mention the lubrication is great. Uh, and then if you go to the CBD side, it is right there um, on contact for ladies who might have some dryness or some pain or um, discomfort and also gives a little tiny bit of sensation. So it's like right there for you to enjoy. You know, you use the words sensual connection. Uh, you had said, you know, you have found a way to combine food and sex, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I was just wondering what your perspective was on that. On that, just that—that's a very interesting connection, and I think it it binds us all in in many different ways. Absolutely. Um, currently, I'm in a really super cool situation up in Wyoming, uh, helping a friend out in the kitchen, and I haven't been in the kitchen for a very long time. But a lot of the staff has asked me, "Well, why do you like to cook?" And hearing myself verbalize it, it's the same reasoning of why I created Vive. Um, So when I explain why I like to cook, food is a language that has no barriers. It does not matter your your race. It does not matter your religion. um, It does not matter your background. Everybody can sit at a table and eat food because it's it's a requirement. Let's look at the sex side of this. We, our bodies are so um, receptive and sex is part of the reason why we are here. And it is a language between one another. Same thing as sitting down with a person at a table and food releases endorphins in your body. Sex releases beautiful endorphins in your body. And I have an overarching... (laughs) Um, theory that if everybody ate really good food and had lots of orgasms, we would have world peace. (laughs) I think you're right. I mean, like, why not? (laughs) You know, especially in the Um, female brain, because, you know, we have babies, so we are bonding through feeding our babies. 
and with the same body parts that we have sex with, right? So sex and food in the female brain run the same pathway. I love that even more. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, both are intimate experiences. If you choose to sit down to a meal with a person, um, that's an intimate experience. And if obviously to be intimate, you have to get intimate with um, your partner. So to me, it's a no brainer. And um, I met somebody here recently who would like to do a cooking show about um, uh, food and sex, just a platform where we can have those conversations because nobody wants to talk about sex. Everybody wants to talk about food. Nobody wants to talk about sex. And, and it's and it is uh, really daunting to me, especially doing this uh, new company and this research. Like, doesn't everybody have sex? And no, nobody's an expert at it. So why aren't you all talking about it? Um, so I think that food is a really nice kind of gift box to wrap up the sex conversation in. You know, it's very, it's very palatable, pun intended, completely. You know, one of the exercises we give the couples that we coach is to create a dinner together. And, you know, many times in couples relationships, it can become a power struggle, you know, and it can be a place of like harbored resentment, you know, especially if one person is cooking, you know, most of the meals and they have different uh, palates you know, and so it can become a, a way of a, this power struggle between the two. And so creating this dinner together, we are helping facilitate this cooperation between the two of them and intimacy, right? Because a lot of times that intimacy has kind of evaporated in their relationship. So we, we see that as a very powerful thing as well. That just gave me goosebumps. I love that exercise. Because one of my favorite things still, I mean, I've been a chef for 22 years. One of my favorite things to do with my partner is to cook with them. Because it's this, it's this beautiful communication uh, between your bodies. And you, just, and you are there preparing something that will ultimately nourish each other's bodies. So for me, um, that is super sexy. It's super sexy, and you're right. There are some people who you can cook with, and unfortunately, there's some people who you can't cook with. And have sex with. (laughs) And have sex with. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is so terrible. Um, But I never thought about that being a kind of a power struggle. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the brain has developed over a period of time, and the part of the brain we're talking about is the hindbrain or the reptilian brain. That only concerns our food, safety, procreating, right? That's all lizards do. You know, when we get to be mammals, we do a little bit more. And so there's a lot of trauma for a lot of women, probably men too, but specifically I'm thinking about women because for women, when we are in a long-term intimate relationship, our bodies start to shut down. And we can't tell you how many couples we've worked with, they're not having sex. And some women are even frozen. They're frozen in their physical bodies where they can't even receive to be able to have sex. And I think this product you're making would be something that would facilitate that kind of thing. Because, you know, we know a couple right now and they're literally, she's going to like a physical therapist to try to open herself back up because she's so locked down. And it's a really painful problem for a lot of couples. 
And there's just a lot of, unfortunately, sexual trauma in this world. I would absolutely agree. Um, you know, I, I have always viewed sex as a gifting and receiving of the other, you know, of one another. And the female has uh, a role to play and the male has a role to play. And we work much better when it's very fluid um, and it's, it is open and um, we just kind of vibe together. But when that happens, as far as um, Vi can, can assist, it does, um, it is a very... I'm using the word sensual because that's the only thing that I can think of. Um, like it's a sensual succulent product that isn't sticky and it's made, it's made for the female to um, really enjoy. And it's kind of like, it's this like velvety, gooey, gooey yumminess. And it's all made with edible product. And it just, it really does work with the lining to kind of help relax a little bit. And also um, it alleviates some dryness. I have some ladies who are uh, perimenopausal menopausal and postmenopausal and they said that it has completely changed their um, sexual relationship and it creates connection again with their partner I mean sex is a really huge thing and I, I mean it you can communicate things during sex that you you can't anywhere else and I'm hoping that Vi will, will kind of bridge that gap a little bit for, for some women and to, to kind of open them up, um, soften all of that other stuff that's been going on in the world for quite some time. I'm, re I'm really hoping I'm getting some great feedback for my test market. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot of complaints about is one of my clients calls it greasing the wheel. I call it <laughs> preheating the oven. You know, where guys are so ready and women are not. And we just need more of that. And it's not even stuff that happens in the bedroom necessarily, but that bonding and connection in order to be receptive to have sex. Having a product like this gives you an opportunity to increase that building up because you have to put it on and you have to think about things a little bit more. And I think for men, they really feel like if we're having sex, everything's okay. So let's have sex, even yeah. if... She's not ready because they're so yeah. anxious about it. And so to relax into it, that, I think that's lovely. Well, you know, for men, you're seeing, we're seeing a lot more having these psychological pressures, you know, and they think that if they don't have an erection, that there's something wrong with them, you know. And so they're quickly running to doctors and getting prescriptions for Viagra. And, you know, it becomes a whole, you know, ego thing for them, you know, and pride and, you know, versus really connecting with their partner and being able to, it's, it's a full connection. That's why we use the word synergy, you know, with couples. And, and that is, it's, it's psychological, it's mental, it's emotional. It, it's the whole gamut. Absolutely. Um, I am a big fan of honoring each other and honoring each other's bodies and having fun with it. I mean, it's like a, it's a playground, that heart space of honor. You are correct. We live in a society where it's very sexually driven. And as long as you're having sex, you're doing fine. And, and don't get me wrong, sex is extremely pleasurable. But when you reach that, when you reach that point and go beyond um, kind of the superficial pleasures, it is definitely an honoring. And honor takes time. And because that's all we really have on the planet is time. 
you know, and so to be able to say to one another, I'm going to cherish you and honor you during this time. That's huge. It's huge. And Vi, you are completely right. It takes about 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes to fully activate. So it's a whole new mindset. The woman will insert it and you have to wait about 15 minutes. So instead of just, oh my gosh, let's like look at the clock and <laughs> figure this out. Um, take, take just 15 minutes and really have fun and honor each other. And um, it's the same thing as, as cooking. You know, you have to prepare before the meal comes together and before you can um, ingest it. Same thing, you know, let's like prepare and then you have some foreplay, that's your cooking. And then you get to have, you get to reward yourself with the fruits. So yeah, it's, it's a wonderful product that I am hoping will help with taking that time with one another. I think that's very important. You know, one of the things that we preach is face-to-face time, you know, quality time between couples. And you wouldn't believe how many couples are not spending any quality time at all. We say that you have to have a minimum of six hours of face-to-face time per week. And the majority of couples that we're coaching, it's zero. Sometimes they don't even connect with each other until later on in the day. That's at the first point in the day that they're actually talking to each other is typically a text message, right? Right. Like if you think about watching a screen, you're side by side looking out. You know, and recently we've done two really awesome activities that we would really encourage. We did a photo shoot. And in that photo shoot, you have to look at each other and smile and kiss for like an hour, you know, and it's such an intimate experience. It was so much fun. And the other thing we did is we went ballroom dancing. And again, you're face to face and you're and you're increasing that. So you talk about waiting uh, 15 to 20 minutes. If only you just looked into each other's eyes for that time, that would be huge. That would really increase intimacy greatly gigantic and that's one of my favorite things to do with a man is to just sit and and look into his eyes and i will tell you there's not very many that can handle it it's true it's very true it's very vulnerable yeah you know people are talking about i know vulnerability is a hot topic and has been um i think who was it Brene brown or somebody who brought that up Mm -hmm. um that is the most vulnerable you know, that you can be with a person. Talk about getting intimate right there. Those who are with me on it, we usually have a really cool energy together. You know, it's interesting because people have to like coach people. Like if you go on a job interview, look into their eyes and shake their hand, you know, like we've (laughs) lost that, you know, and I think when we were more screen free and doing more things like sitting around a dinner table and interacting with our neighbors and our communities, our parents would teach us, you know, when you meet someone, look them in the eye, shake their hand, say hello, say thank you, say please. And we've lost a lot of that. And it erodes something in our humanity to not connect with other human beings. You know, we went out to dinner last night and it's it's really cool Japanese fusion restaurant in, you know, in, in Barrington. And the menus are on your phone now because of COVID because of COVID. They don't want to have these menus that they have to clean all the time. So you have to scan your little QR code 
And then everyone at their tables are sitting there looking at their phones. It's encouraging that. It's encouraging that, you know, lack of eye contact and connection over a meal. And a conversation. Yeah. Oh, it's the most annoying thing ever for me. I think um, that happened to me once. And um, it was probably the worst service that I've ever had also. Because, um, you know, wh- what are they there? They're order takers and food deliverers now. They're, they no longer, the servers no longer have that connection either. I mean, everything is so disconnected and separated. Um, and I have interviewed some young kids. I say young kids, probably millennial generation, that um, they don't know what to do when they have sex. Yeah, They just, they just like hook up. It's, because they they're learning about it through pornography and not from another human being. Yeah. They don't know that it is an intimate experience and that it is an exchange of energy and that it can be so healing. They just know that it, oh, okay, well, this kind of feels good. Okay, fine. And I'm supposed to be doing it. So, okay, fine. And um, that whole system is starting to break down and I've identified it, it a long time ago. And I was like, okay, well, how can this be possible that people are choosing to be and continue to be separated? Because I just don't operate like that. I need face-to-face, you know, um, I don't do really well with online classes. I kind of fail them. I need a teacher. I need a classroom and I need to see my friends. I need to be around my friends. So it's just this whole different world. And we are such um, energetic beings that, losing connectivity with each other's bodies and beings is not a good thing. It's totally not a good thing. I'm going to put you on the spot for a minute. Okay. There is something we love and we love (laughs) to scared. (laughs) (laughs) We love to go out to eat and hear the server describe the specials. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so I want you to think of like your favorite dish and describe it for us. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, this evening, we will be serving a rabbit ravioli. It is a fennel and white wine braised rabbit uh, for 24 hours, tucked inside of house made ravioli. And we take that sauce and reduce it down with some more white wine and mirepoix, so onions, carrots, shallots, garlic, until it is syrupy. And we pull it off the stove and mount it with a with salted butter and finish that with a little bit of thyme. And we toss the ravioli in this beautiful pan sauce served with a little bit of bright orange carrot puree and top it with some freshly grated Asiago cheese. And it comes with a side of toasted sourdough because we know that you will want to lick the plate clean. What time is dinner? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Sensuality. Yeah. Right. That was awesome. Talking about foreplay. That's, That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> and that, I mean, that's what I love is all of that, like, orgasmic energy can be anywhere. And it just lights people up and it makes them realize that there's a totally different possibility to living. And, um, and but I will say, for some people, it makes them uncomfortable. And I'm like, whoa, wait, I'm going to say that. 
I'm going to say that again until it doesn't make you uncomfortable, you know, until you're very comfortable with talking about that. Um, because that orgasmic energy is everywhere. I mean, how flowers bloom. I mean, there's, there's flower orgasms everywhere, you know, all the time. <laughs> That's interesting. Like a flower is a symbol of an orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> you know, and, and that goes back to also if if this is our greatest source of pleasure and healing, it's also our greatest source of wounding. Mm -hmm. When when people are hurt in that way, and that's where those uncomfortable things come from, which is so sad to do to a, a human being. And I think, unfortunately, I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but I, I think for the female experience, it's almost 100% that there is some boundary violation that happens during your lifetime. I think it is part of the experience of becoming. That wound can be something that you can break down and process and allow it to help you grow into what I would call being a queen. You know? I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you'd be getting in trouble for that. I think it's definitely very true. Mm -hmm. And especially with all the couples that we work with, we run into that a lot. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that the amygdala in our brain is, you know, associated with trauma or affected by trauma. And that is our fight, flight and freeze response, you know, in our brain. And most people don't know that, it, you know, female physiology and male physiology in the brain, that amygdala in men, it is closely like located to the area of the brain connected with anger. And in women, that area of the brain is connected and closely located to an area of appetite. Yes. How interesting. Which is why when, when women get sexually wounded, they might develop anorexia, bulimia, or overweight, right? And when men are rejected sexually, they quickly go to anger. And so if you think about the content that we have in our movies... We are constantly feeding that anger piece in men that is driving a lot of aggressive testosterone. And then you're supposed to go be intimate with your wife, which requires vulnerability. And it's really a recipe to shut us all down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've also noticed like this huge pendulum swing because there's um, many females who have experienced that aggression in men. Um, and then they turn around and they they turn on that aggression yep and then they they ultimately like it's just this huge pendulum swing that keeps going and then men come in contact with that super hyper aggressive woman and then men have no idea what to do yeah they, and you especially in the younger generation yes yeah yeah and it's just kind of like what is going on can we all can we all take a minute and take a pause and just like remove all of that crap that doesn't belong to us and get back to, you know, a woman is very sensual and, and amazing and can gift. I mean, we can give life and a man can support that a thousand percent. And we do heal each other's bodies. And I, that, that whole thing has been forgotten. Yeah. I mean, what would you think? Two, three generations, even longer? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It, it has been, you know, occurring over so many, many generations now. You know, I, I heard this one analogy done by um, uh, Way of the Superior Man, 
David Dida in his in his book. He said that men are the tree, you know, this this strength of the the trunk and stability and consistency, and women are the wind that dances, you know, around that tree. I love that. And so I hear that, you know, the strength and the consistency and the be able to, you know, be that support, you know, f- for women, right? One of the things that we noticed, we went to Iceland. And in Iceland, there was uh, a, a plague that almost wiped them out 300 years ago. And the king said, okay, all women of childbearing years have to have six babies. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. And so that culture is very female aggressively driven and they tend to go out and have sex first get pregnant they may or may not have a relationship they mostly won't get married and they you know and it's really interesting what that's done to their culture they used to have a slogan that said come to Reikia to hook up right (laughs) for for a one-night stand or something like that and and they've really diminished their ability to have partnership type of relationships and all the relationships are parent child. So it does change us over time. And I think the the media is what drove it. You know, you think about a couple generations ago, you were hanging out with your community, your neighborhood, your church group, uh, people, right? And you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have air conditioning. So you spent a lot of time outside. But now that we have heat and air conditioning, we all stay inside and we don't interact as much, and we don't uh, learn those skills. And I'm so sad with this COVID. These kids, they're not going back to school. Mm-hmm. They're not, and that's the social piece. Sure, they're going to learn to read and write and all that stuff, but they're not going to learn how to interact. And we're taking even more of that away, which is really sad. I would totally agree with that, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah. Well, and I also think that that so having having that social piece taken away, uh, we don't. Um, it's difficult to know our own value um, in any type of relationship. You know, it's, it's very difficult because texting is one thing, you know, through an app is one thing, but when you're actually interacting with others you, and that's taken away, you really don't um, know, you, you really don't know and honor yourself and your own, your own worth. Uh, and that, that's, how do we fix that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> You know, there's a whole bunch of things going on right now that I think will shift the society and um, social aspects of being a human. And how do we how do we find that that center of that pendulum and like stay steady and, and strong with, you know, it is important to have human interaction. You know, sex is wonderful and sex is beautiful. Um, having a relationship is even more wonderful and more beautiful um, to kind of to counteract what's what's going on on either side of that pendulum. You know, it sounds so simple, you know, connecting with your partner, you know, via sensuality and sex and and having a meal together and cooking together and but it is so systemic in our society right now that it is is lacking. And mm-hmm. couples are not connecting at all. Um <clears throat> yeah, I think that couples are um they they just got married because somebody told them that you were supposed to get married. And then after that, you were supposed to have babies. It's just kind of been this like, da, 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 da. And I've, I have had some couples tell me that they can't stand each other and they realized it during COVID. 
And they're like, I don't know, like I would much rather be halfway across the world and then be with this human for another for another time. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Wow. Well, for those couples, the majority of their interaction has been, you know, fleeting and they typically live like parallel lives. I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing, you know, and, and live like roommates. And so COVID forced them to really interact and be in the same space together. And it truly put a spotlight on what their relationship is and what it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> It really is a skill. And, you know, I would say this as a hope for people out there is that you can learn how to be better at, you know, and we know communication breaks down within the individual. It'll certainly break down within the relationship if it's broken down within the person. And we are socialized, domesticated, raised, however you want to say it, to not trust ourselves and to not know ourselves. And this idea that we're reflecting to each other and you can't really reflect through text or you know digital means as well and you can learn how to do that and it is vulnerable but the payoff is there the payoff is there in a great way and so even just today if you go out and just start saying look people in the eye and say hello and smile that's all you got to do you could be on a walking path you can be anywhere and do that and you will feel you will feel the endorphins in your body and it feels wonderful well, now with the masks, you have to smile with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that still works. We had to dance with masks on. Right, we did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I think it was last uh, September. I think I went to Vegas and I was like, we're going to do a soft launch for the product and we're going to see what the people on the streets of Vegas think about my product. Um, and it was awfully amazing because I thought we're in Vegas. It's like sex and gambling and, you know, everything stays in Vegas and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, the average pedestrian, the average pedestrian um, did not want to make eye contact with me at all. Did not like, no, what sex? No, 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 I don't do that. Don't like, nope, get away from me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about sex. Uh, now, if they were, if ladies were in a group together, they would be curious. But if a woman and a man, like if there were couples on the street together, the woman would like turn around and go the other other way. And then usually one of the men of like, let's say there are three couples, one of them would turn around and be like, wait, tell me more what's going on. And I thought that was really interesting. Men would immediately come up to me and be like, tell me what this is because I think that we need it. And I never saw that coming at all. Um, that whole week of reaction made me change our entire sales model, our entire um, how we are going to speak to women, how we're going to speak to couples. It made me change all of it. And I just found it really, really interesting that women, when they were with their husband, boyfriend, did not want to talk about it. I would say I, I'm putting myself in that position and especially in a place like Vegas where it, it's not intimate sexuality that's out there. It's this craziness, you know, where you do feel more guarded and more like, I think women are just such natural givers 
and nurturers that it feels to me like if, if I had seen you, I'd feel like, so there's one more thing you want me to give. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It, like, I wouldn't think yeah. like, oh, this is for me and someone's going to care about my pleasure and my uh, experience. I would feel like, oh, here's one more thing that I have to give. And exactly. Mm-hmm. That's when we changed because I, had a, I was working with a marketing firm at that time that wanted to twist it more as like a novelty type of thing. And I said, I don't think that it's a novelty thing. So that's why we actually went to Vegas. And I shifted it completely. I'm like, no, this is more of a nourishing thing for the woman. Period, done, end of story. And of course, I got from men, well, what does it do for me? I'm like, you make your woman happy and amazing and you get to connect with her. Therefore, your life and your living will be much better. And, so your, that's what you get. <laughs> and your pleasure as well, because you can't give pleasure without receiving it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I was I was thinking, you know, what what kind of reaction would you have gotten in Seattle, right? Or another city? That I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I that, think Vegas is a very unique place that people go to do things that they feel ashamed of, not necessarily to expand their you know intimacy yeah totally totally for sure it was a fun experiment because from then um i really got rooted and grounded went in the connectivity between two people Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah there's going to be some people who buy it for you know novelty purposes but i do believe that that's only now going to be a small amount uh, because it does you know one of the um uh one of my my test subjects said you know what um we talked during intimacy it was a very lengthy um long experience and we talked the entire time it was i like this i don't like that like and connected on a level that um, they hadn't been able to connect with before and she said to me when you can talk about those things when you can talk about intimacy um in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom, she goes, you know what? It's a whole heck of a lot easier to tell the person that they grabbed the wrong paper towels from the store. Like <laughs> that for some reason is not really an issue. <laughs> like you can be like, I like brawny, not bounty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You could be clear about that, but you can't clear be clear about the most intimate connection act that we can have with another person. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I think people try to be, a little too careful with each other and maybe a little too sensitive where, you know, if you allow again, that vulnerability to say, Hey, I really want to hear what's going on for you because that's intimacy, not, well, I've done it this way. And so you better just accept it and take it even if it doesn't work for you, you know? Right. Yeah. And I also, I found that, um, people think that they know, but they only know from their past experiences um, and they don't know, they don't take time to talk about what they enjoy in their current, um, relationship. And it's super important to take that time and just to be like, Hey, I would like, I would love to hear what you enjoy. And I, you know, what would you be, um, willing to try? What, um, you know, what is your favorite part of your body to be touched that's not sexual? You know, those types of things. You know, my favorite, my oh, my ultimate favorite is um, when my man will put his hand on the small of my back. Just anytime. You know, it's nothing 
you know, it could be in the kitchen. It could be, it could be out in public, just like that tiny, it's that tree, you know, it's that, it's that tree feeling where you just feel like connected and rooted and grounded. Which is what you do when you're dancing. Ah, right? yes, it yeah. is. That's yeah. interesting. You know, and I think that part of our body, uh, do you know the term lordose? No, tell me more. <laughs> lordose is a term they use for animals when they get in the position to have sex. The female, oh. the female presents okay. herself to have sex with the male animal, you know, like mice and stuff like that. And in that pushing on that part of your back does that for women. It puts you in that position. So I think that is Ooh. a very sensual, intimate thing. And That's and why it happens in dancing as well. Ooh. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many connections here. Yeah. <laughs> we are very complex and I think we're just... You know, when you think about food and you think about going through the drive-in at McDonald's versus having this full-on, all-senses, sensual experience with these wonderful meals, which, you know, we probably eat a little bit too much of that stuff, but we we love to go out and have the foodie food and have all those descriptions and that full experience. And, you know, sex can be the same way. It doesn't just have to be functional and you know the five minute experience you can have service sex as they call it or something Mm -hmm. yeah and even if you think about your experience um uh with food when you walk into a restaurant when you walk into a home and um, food has been cooking all day so like there's a pot roast on you know in the crock pot when you arrive and open up that door you immediately are like oh Yes. Yeah. And the your digestive juices start to kind of um, formulate in your mouth, and you're just you know what's coming next, and you get so excited about it, and all, all of a sudden, all of that stuff that you needed to do kind of gets put on the back burner because you're like, no, my body really wants this. I'm going to enjoy this. What else can I do to be a part of it? Um, and that's kind of the same way with sex for me is even that initial eye contact Mm -hmm. uh, with um, my man is just kind of okay. And then it doesn't have to happen right then, you know, like let's, let's, you know, keep this going. And that is, um, it's so sensual and um, uh, that's the ignition for that connection to begin. And I'm hoping that it all will, um, you know, I'm hoping that my new show will have that flow as well um, and kind of bring people together and reconnect um, people. And then then everybody will be having great food and great orgasms. I just had a vision when you said that of like being in a grocery store and picking up an onion or a tomato and thinking the whole process of how that's going to end up being on a plate somewhere, right? So here's the eye contact, right? And Uh the full culmination of that, but like taking something from the beginning and creating an amazing experience. Yes. We haven't had brunch yet. I'm like really hungry (laughs) right now. Oh my gosh, it's funny. Well, and even I've been, um, I've kind of been pegged for this super sexy chef but just by the way that I talk about food and like bringing that sensuality to the table. So even up here in Wyoming for brunch, you're going to love this. I did a banana bread, French toast. Mm. 
Right, right. So my grandma's uh, banana bread and, you know, dip it in this yummy custard with Grand Marnier in the um, custard. Oh, yeah. With bacon. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. Give give me that part of bacon, baby. Um, And people are like, how do you, this is incredible. I'm like, I know. It kind of makes you want to have a martini and cigarette afterwards. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so renee when is this product going to be out so vi we're going to do our first run in august uh, we were supposed to do our first run in february so uh we will be ready the middle of august and then i'm going to send it to uh, healthcare professionals like yourselves to try it out and maybe suggest it to some of your clients and i i have pinged around with direct to consumer. Um, And that's still a possibility. But what I would like to have is that continued conversation between couples. And so that's why um, uh, I would like to go to medical professionals where they can actually have that conversation and then purchase the product. So we're gonna see, I might wait for direct to consumer until a little bit later. So we're looking at this fall, Vi will be out, it'll be on the shelves. I will send some to you. Um, You can find out, So, and our website will be changing as well. It's getyourvi.com. So keep keep that um, keep that underneath your hat and keep checking it. Same thing with Facebook and Instagram. We'll be doing um, we'll be doing some posts there as well. So for those of you joining us on the Couple Synergy Weekend Intensive, yeah. October fifteenth through the eighteenth, this may be available by then. That yeah. would be yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, after we get it, we'll have to try it and then podcast about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Renee, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been really wonderful. And thank you for making me very hungry right now. (laughs) Go have some food and then go have sex. It'll be great. (laughs) We want to wholeheartedly thank you, all of us, uh, all of you listening uh, on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, Please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.